Welcome to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. Each episode, your hosts bring you news, views, and abuse from America's professional rugby union, along with all the latest on the USA national team. Now, with all that said, let's get on with the show. And we're live. Welcome to the Earful of Dirt Podcast, everyone. My name is Joshua Fredland. I am back in my normal studio office space, as you can tell. Um, I have I had a wonderful time last week visiting my family, seeing my little brother graduate high school. So that so that was fun. Um, Craig, how, Craig, how's your week been? It's good. As you can see, I'm actually not in my my normal studio now. No longer exists. Uh, had some <laughs> rearranging in the house here and. My office has moved upstairs, and it's now uh, sandwiched between the kids' rooms. So late night podcasting is going to have to find another location. So we're we're testing out the kitchen uh, today. Hopefully the effects are all right. Uh, we already had some microphone troubles too. So hopefully we we all uh, work out better than the last time I was on. But uh, yeah, I mean other than that, uh, yeah, good week. Can't complain. Weather's getting warmer. Uh, it is a holiday weekend coming up for me at uh, Cowan. Cowan recognizes Juneteenth as a holiday uh, on this coming Monday. So tomorrow starts a three-day weekend for me. Uh, Father's <laughs> Day weekend, great, great run-up for a New York-Boston playoff contest this Sunday. I, I will say my company recognizes Juneteenth too, so I also have a three-day weekend, so that is great. And yeah, we'll we'll definitely touch on the Boston, New York type of thing, because I'm sure that that's always that's always a a good matchup, no matter what sport it is. So notice Liam backed out of being on this podcast out of fear uh, to discuss <laughs> the upcoming match. Did you guys ever settle that bet? No, <laughs> I mean I, I lost. <laughs> I would have to do it, but I don't think I don't think we've been on the, the podcast the same week since then. Hey, one time. Uh, I think it's been, so. it's been like one time, and you guys, I think they were playing that week, and you guys agreed to push it a week because of that. Yeah. So I'll uh, say. Uh, jumping right into it, um, I made the joke on the podcast title calling this week, Are You Not Entertained? And then immediately said, Because we were not this weekend. <laughs> because I, I know you enjoyed the game. I know. Um, friend of the podcast, Dan Brown and Victor, um, host of La Melee, enjoyed the game because New York won. But to be honest, both games just sucked. <laughs> as yeah, they, I agree. They were, they were pretty ugly. They, they weren't exactly high spectacles. Uh, but, you know, at least they were, they were fairly close, both of them, for you know, m- most of the game. Uh, so, you know, you, you had that. If you, were, if you were a supporter, you definitely uh, – had some thrills to occupy you. But yeah, if you're just a, a lover of rugby, it wasn't exactly a work of art, uh, either contest. Was it other, other than that, it was actually the uh, weekend of the kickers because, excuse me, outside of San Diego, each team made at least four penalty kicks with Seattle making five. So it was good, good weekend to be a kicker. Um, first game was New York beating Atlanta 26 to 19. I mean, New York just, Nothing special really happened in the first half. I mean, it was just penalties after penalty after penalty. I think the halftime score was nine to six. Um, we finally got tries in the second half, you know, with the penalty. We got yellow cards. Um, but and then Atlanta finally picked it up in the in the last quarter of the game. But this was, I think, 
similar to week one, I believe it was week one when they played in Atlanta. It was just like New York was just too far ahead at that point, and they they were able to you know get down there, but New York's defense was just too stout. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we talked last week about uh, New York having to have the right game plan coming into this to win, and I, I think they they did a good job of that because they they didn't get sucked into trying to force the ball wide and deal with Atlanta's line speed out wide. I think they did a better job of keeping it simple, playing disciplined. And Atlanta, you know, like you said, it ended up coming down to lots of penalties. You know, New York just seemed to get the better of having the, the more advantageous penalty calls go their way. Um, but, I mean, it was chippy. It was back and forth. And there were, there were streaks where both teams were getting uh, whistled, you know, consecutive times or multiple times in a row. So I think the momentum was there to be seized by Atlanta a few times, uh, but New York's defense uh, just managed to play about a little bit better than Atlanta's. And so they, uh, they came away with the win, but yeah, to your point, I mean, it wasn't very pretty. There wasn't really a lot of highlight real attacking maneuvers or, I mean, there were some big hits, I guess you could say New York. I can recall a few times where New York laid out an attacking player on the, Atlanta side, but aside from that, it was kind of a highlight-free game. Uh, but uh, I mean, that's uh, that that was better for New York. They're less, you know, Atlanta's attack speed is a very highlight-oriented sort of play, and I think New York did a good job of, of forcing Atlanta to play New York's game rather than vice versa. And uh, I, I think Atlanta's sorely disappointed to miss out on another. Uh, chance at the finals, but hey, it is what it is. Now New York moves on to play New England, which will probably end up being the game of the weekend. Um, it's you never know. All right. Next up on um, this past Sunday, we had Seattle beat San Diego forty-three to nineteen. Um, you know this game was pretty close at halftime. Trying to work it out here, fourteen. Uh, yeah, I think it was like a try. It was like 23 14 or something. Like that. So it was like a try gap. Uh, yeah, it was it was something like that, it, or it was like I think it may have been like 20 to 14 or something like that. And then uh, Seattle just blew it open in the second half. Um, three penalty kicks from AJ Alatimu, two tries, one from Travis Larson, and one from Ross Neal. I mean, I, I and I think we've and most Seattle fans would probably agree that. AJ Alatimo runs this team. If he isn't in there, they almost have no direction on offense. Yeah, I, I think this was a – I don't want to say it was a one-man show because Seattle had some contributions elsewhere. You know, fullback, I thought, played well in Seattle. But for the most part, this felt like a Alatimo versus Nate Altsberger contest. Yeah, I thought Nate was doing everything he could to try to will – um, San Diego to win, and for a while it hung in there. And I think that was a lot to do with Nate. I mean, he was he had some really you know, like astute dummies. Yeah, I think the first or second try that San Diego scored was on a dummy that he had the goal line. He, he was really changing direction, uh, doing a lot to create some kind of attacking momentum. But aside from that, San Diego and he would feed uh, Tamalau to a certain extent. And there were some hard lines. Tamalau ran off of what I thought were good feeds from Nate, where they, they combined to create some kind of forward momentum. But aside from that, San Diego seemed really lacking in attack. 
ideas, energy, everything. Um, Seattle had a similar reliance on Alatimu, but he was just so effective kicking, distributing. Uh, he really he played maybe his, I'm trying to think of a better contest I remember him playing. Um, but I mean, he, he played great. H- Hatting played great. Um, you know, speaking of, of or I know we're going to selections discussion a little bit later today and, you know, between Augsburger and Hatting, there's a lot of discussion about selections can come out of this match. Uh, but I think they all played pretty well, whether, yeah, whether they got selected or not for this upcoming USA tour, I, I think, uh, all the candidates played pretty well on this one. Um, but yeah, in the end, city didn't have enough to offer, uh, and Seattle at home, uh, you know, came away with a big win. Now we'll see if they can carry that momentum over in a road, uh, semifinal, but, uh, uh, yeah, at least Starfire got to Starfire got to see what it's used to, which is a Seattle playoff victory, and somehow Seattle is now you know a contender for a third shield uh, when they were mathematically eliminated from the playoffs like six weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, so things just keep bouncing the Seawolves way. Uh, <laughs> you you also kind of have to wonder how much the disqualifications did play hand. In this game, um, I'm sure Seattle was probably keeping a closer eye on things than San Diego was because they they didn't play that last week. They were had to rely on other teams to even have a shot. And then all of a sudden, hey, two teams are out. Now you're in. And rumors were going around that they had already sent people home and had to had to call some people back. So you had to wonder how much a little bit, if it was true, how much that played a hand. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, I can only imagine if there was a club I was on and we had ended our season mathematically – uh, it would be difficult to pull people back for a playoff contest. Uh, so, I mean, I, again, I thought, you know, it showed, uh, I feel like they just didn't have a lot of organization or, or even, you know, I don't know. They just didn't even, they didn't seem as up for a, a contest as you'd expect in a playoff match, but I'm sure it has to do with that, you know, fact pattern that led to their last minute inclusion in the playoffs. Uh- well, that was a quick recap of everything. Um, obviously, only two games happened. You know, usually, it was like five or six, so you get a short. Uh... I know, yeah. So, um, so another quick thing uh, before we jump into Eagles selections. Um, in case you didn't notice, um, I don't think this was published by a lot of people, but there was a I – w- I don't want to call it a lawsuit. I think it was just a temporary restraining order request filed by Loyals Rugby against Major League Rugby and George Killebrew in Dallas County, Texas. Um, um, if I remember reading the request correctly, Gilchrist had requested um, that the team, the playoffs just not go ahead. Uh, so obviously that didn't happen. Um, the TRO wasn't signed. So I guess this may have just been a prerequisite to a, a lawsuit, but who knows? Craig, what are your quick thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, well, if you submit a TRO, a temporary restraining order request for some kind of injunction to stop something from happening and that thing happens, I mean, obviously we weren't in the courtroom, but that basically means your TRO request was defeated. Uh, So it doesn't bode well. I don't know if this – it's not really connected to a lawsuit per se, and it doesn't bode well for a lawsuit if they couldn't even get a TRO approved. Um but again, I'm not a lawyer, so I don't know. Who knows? If, it, if, you're, if you're a listener out there and you have a legal take on this, feel free to send it in. We'd love to discuss. But, uh, you know, 
based on the limited facts I see, I, I don't doesn't seem like the justice system or the legal system is going to be coming to the aid of Mr. Gilchrist in this case. Um, so he's going to take it up commercially with MLR is my, is my guess. And then um, quick shout out to the USA women's Eagles. They beat Australia last weekend, 16 to 14. Yeah, they did. Uh, Pacific floor series. Um, and this is actually um if I remember the reason they set this up correctly is because they are launching a high-level women's 15s comp for internationals. Um, I believe it's actually called the W15 or the women's 15 or WX, the, the W15 or something like that. And this um, series was going to set the three teams that joined the top league. Um, so that win actually helped them great. And I believe it, um, if I remember the picture correctly, they rose to sixth in the world after that win. So that was good for them. Love to see it. Love to see it. Good for, uh, good for the USA win. Oh, and just, just a happy, uh, just notice this now looking up some stuff. This is the anniversary of the US, USA Eagles beating Scotland. Happened ah, on this day in 2018. Best day of USA rugby fandom this century. Uh, easily. Um, yeah, what a day. What a day that was. Uh, jumping into selections. Um, so out of the 30 selections, 22 were from Major League Rugby, uh, eight overseas, four UK, four France. Um, I think the, really the only big surprise or maybe big two surprises was, A, Samu Manoa jumping back into international, um, just international play period. And then the selection of Mitch Wilson. I know he's been Liam's favorite player. He's been a, a surprise, I think, to most people who aren't haven't been paying attention to New England. So it's um, – let me see where he's at, if I can pull up the stats real quick, if he's on it, if it loads too. <laughs> what are you looking for? Mitch Wilson's stats, if, oh. if, he, if he's one of the league leaders. Um. um. Let's try to find He's, stats. MLR is uh, yeah, they, now they've they've made it so that game by game stats are now like team stats per game are now easy to find, but uh, season long stats have actually I think become harder to find. Um, they they have the leaders, but they don't have a lot of. Um, I think yeah, most of them are top five, and I think points scored was top ten. Uh, we probably have to rely on James Dealey for a lot of that, but. I mean, he, he's been a great player. Um, I think as mentioned, he's probably undersized for international play, but he's a, he's a scrappy player. Yeah, I mean, yeah, obviously Liam has loved Mitch Wilson. Uh, for who, If you're in our chat, it's like a Liam Neeson to Mitch Wilson shrine sometimes. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, I'm, I'm always excited for, for to get new blood in there, especially in a exciting position, like a back three sort of guy. Yeah. Uh, I think there are, there are other uh, there are somewhat strange outcomes here, like like uh, Dylan Fawcett wasn't taken, right? That was a, a strange one to me. Um, I mean, you you have Capelli Piffoletti, Mikey Sassini Figai, um, and Joe Tafete picked at hooker. Yeah, I mean, obviously Joe Tafete, not a surprise at all, but I, I would have thought Fawcett 
was probably the number two look at, in the USA. And so there's three hookers taken. He was not one of the three. Um, I know in the past there's been times which I've what I've heard through the grapevine that he had the option of going and he chose to stay behind for family reasons or, or what have you. I think he has young children. That may be the case here. I, I don't know. But uh, he also didn't play as much this year as he has played in the past and, and not always at hooker either. And New York is still in a playoff hunt. So I, there, there's a lot of uh, – there's a lot of reasons you couldn't think there, but that did, that did at least catch my attention. Um, there are other New York players, of course, that are taken, so that that alone would, you know, at least is not broadly a selection mechanism for Gary Gold here. Um, what else we got? Uh, I like it's to see- nice to see um, Baskin still be picked. Um, I haven't, you know, paid much attention to his season over in France. As I don't. I'd have to find a way to watch that because um, I believe Ruan was in a pro D2. But it's, it's nice to see him still get getting up there. So obviously it's um, at Scrum Half. You have Nate, Mike, um, Mike Vasca, and Ruben De Haas. Which should probably be your top three. You could probably make an argument for, I don't know, Ryan Reese from Atlanta or off the top of my head, I honestly forget. But Yeah, no, I, I like those, those choices that, Scrum half, fly half two no, no shocks. I mean Luke Cardi's in there, um, so that's you know I guess good to see you know, for for Luke Cardi. Uh, you know you'd think if um, AJ McGinty is available, he'll he'll probably be the starter. But yeah. no, you know anytime you have a premiership guy, that availability comes into question. So I guess we'll find out. Um, who else? I mean Riker Hatting is in here, uh, or rather. Um, Record heading is not in here, which uh, certainly caused some conversation as well. Uh, you know, I can I get it. I, I get it. If you're a Seattle fan and you're wondering where he is, um, I think he's. I think he earned a spot. I'm a little surprised, frankly, he didn't get in there, uh, especially because there are some not experimental back rowers, but I mean, you have a pretty not let's say non-solidified back row in this team. They they selected Al Jabori, Ben Bonasso, um Honko, no surprise there. Uh yeah. Pifoletti. Oh no, sorry, Pifoletti um uh, uh, so it's Al Jabori, Bonasso, Cam Dolan, Honko, and Money Tangawia. Tangawia, yeah. So I mean, not you know, not exactly established names uh, in the USA landscape. So I, I am a little surprised that that uh, Hanning was not chosen. Um, so we'll see if that uh, that if you know, he can break back into that team. Uh, what else do we have here for surprises? I guess Paul the CK being back in contention. I, I know he's always been one of the stronger centers, but I know he's been injured a lot the past couple of years. Yeah, I mean, yeah, obviously he goes healthy at the end of the year here for Utah, so good to see the CK back for sure. It's good to see Lepete from Seattle in there. Uh, you know, he had a great, he's had a great season uh, for Seattle, so that's that's an exciting guy to watch. Uh, and then back, back in contention after his season with Seattle as well. Yeah, so you know, overall, I mean, not. I don't think there were any huge shots. To me, Hatting being left off is, is actually probably the biggest surprise. Uh, other than that, though, I mean, you know, I guess I, I talked about Fawcett. I'm a little surprised about that. Other than that, I, you know, I think this is 
accumulate to see. Oh, another guy I like to see is Christian Dyer in there. You know, he's had a good year. Uh, I think he's played great since he made the transition of 15s, at least, you know, in the public view, the transition of 15s. So, uh, you know, I'm excited. I think it's going to be an interesting team. Obviously, this is a big contest coming up for World Cup qualification purposes. Uh, So I'm excited to see them gather and uh, see some international rugby again. So just looking through, because America's Rugby News actually put out an article about changes from – last year to this year. I was just trying to think of the exact changes from to, or excuse me, versus Uruguay to versus Chile. So we had Matt Harmon drop out and Chance Wenglusi pop in. Um, I believe Chance was actually injured back during Uruguay, so that's why he wasn't there. But Matt Harmon, um, I know he's been getting pushed by Brian Nolt, but yeah, he's been a great scrimmager. In MLR all year, so that was that was kind of surprising. Not at least see him. He may be down there as uh, you know one of the training players they said they were bringing, but you know that's a big one. Um, locks were all the same. Um, of the changes in the back row, where Andrew Garris still recovering from his broken leg, he suffered against um, New Zealand. He was replaced by Malon. Aljabori, um, Jonathan Fernando Schultz is suspended, so Samu took his spot. Uh, supposedly, Tony Lamborn was set to return, but he um, was a withdrawal due to a broken hand. Uh, ben Landry was set to be called, but got injured playing for Seattle. And then Sal Munching um, had knee surgery back in January, so he's still out. Um Obviously, Will McGee retired, um, and McGinty was hurt back then, so he takes McGee's spot. Um, Matias also retired from international play, so Lasique takes his spot. Um, Ryan James and Mika Kruse, actually, were probably two, I guess, maybe maybe more so Mika than Ryan, but they got replaced by Martin Iosefo and Mitch Wilson, so maybe that was a little bit of a surprise for Utah fans. Yeah, and then, um, I agree with that. Mike Dabula suffered a knee, knee injury as well. So, yeah, yeah, I think that's that's a good good shout. I think you know as good as Mitch Wilson has played, probably was not expecting him to replace Amiga Cruz. He's been more of a fixture in the international scene. All right, so um, on to this week's picks. Um, first up. We have Seattle versus Houston on Saturday, June 18th at 7 p.m. Eastern on Fox Sports 2. So no late-night games for all of those who you complained last week. Um, so it's, it's good for them. So 7 p.m. Eastern on Fox Sports 2. I I kind of go go with Seattle as the informed team here. Mm, got, what was that? Interesting. What's your, what's your score prediction? I'm gonna go by five. Um, I know Seattle likes to play that that wide game, but Houston can play that and be physical at the same time. I just think Seattle has that momentum. They beat LA that last week. They crushed San Diego last week, and I, Houston's had a week off. And I don't know how much how much that's gonna help them. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I I I think I'm gonna take Houston. Actually, I think. I mean, one, this is in Houston, so uh, I think some of the Starfire magic 
you know, is going to be harder to come by for the Seattle players. Yes, Seattle has won two in a row. But, you know, they played an LA team who was playing for nothing. You know, in that final contest, and the San Diego team who was basically on vacation, as we discussed. So, you know, good wins for sure. Yeah, I don't want to take anything away from them, but not enough that I'm hanging my hat on those. I think. Uh, I think I think Houston really can be dangerous, and uh, it just feels like karma that it's Houston, Seattle, and one of those two teams is going to the Shield final here. Uh, but I'm gonna—I mean, you can lose a lot of—you can lose a lot of money counting Seattle out of MLR playoff games, and I don't want to fall into that trap. But uh, I see this one bouncing Houston's way, so uh, I'm gonna say Houston by five. Fair enough. Um, just so everyone is aware, I picked both games wrong last week, so don't listen to me. But all right, next up we have New York visiting the Free Jacks on Sunday, June nineteenth, at three p.m. Eastern on Fox Sports One. Uh, this is a big one. I, I pro, like I said, I mentioned earlier, it's probably the the game of the weekends. New York beat New England last time they went up there. I believe it was last week of the season. Uh, it was only five points, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, New England had a chance to win at the end, but couldn't. So New York's defense stood strong. Um, Bodie Waka, Andy Ellis got into a scrap. Um, so that was kind of fun to see. I I think New York just want or not New York, sorry. I think New England wants it more. I just think they do for whatever reason. I think they want it more. I think they've they've shown that they've been able to continue that transition into their new coach and Scott Matthew after their previous coach left. Um, they've had the talent. They've brought in replacements. They've had the community buy in as well with all the festivals and the local teams buying in too. I, just purely on them wanting more, I'm taking New England by three. Ah, <sighs> uh, uh, man. Tough. Such a tough one to pick. Uh, you know, I, I really think it's, it, I want to see the rosters uh, before I choose. I just think New York is so volatile with who they put where. And I want to make sure their team is healthy and that Andy Ellis is at scrum half and Dylan Fawcett is starting at least somewhere. uh, So we can throw lineouts at the very least. Um, You know, it seems like when New England and New York play, it's the team that is the underdog that wins every single time. You know, like they go in there with some kind of chip on their shoulder about being expected to lose to the classic New York-Boston rivalry opponent. And uh, I think, I mean, it's in New England, they're the first-place team. I, I think you'd have to say they're probably the betting favorite here. Um, I picked against New York last week, and I was wrong. Uh, man, I think... Uh, I, I think this is New York's year to get to the finals. Uh, I think it's, they're going to get to the finals. Um, I just I, I liked how they were able to pull together for this first playoff week in a way that I think they had struggled to do for most of the season. And I'm going to take that as a sign that they have upped their focus and their intensity for the playoff run. And if that's the case, I think they have to find a way to shut down Bodine Waka, but they're, yeah. 
they have a hard nosed defense. They can be really aggressive around the breakdown. I think that is a way to slow down the Bodine Walker machine. And um, they managed to do it. I think they will. I think they're going to eke one out. I was going to say New York by one. So speaking of betting favorites, um, your local betting service, if you are in a legal state, um, at least BetNGM has lines available. Oh, really? On the MLR games? Yep. The Houston Sabercats are minus 125 favorites. Seattle is the plus 100 underdogs. And the line is minus one and a half for Houston. So minus one and a half uh, at minus 110. The spread is minus. Houston is a one and a half point uh, favorite. Favorite, yeah. And then Seattle at plus one and a half is minus 125. So they think it's going to be a close game. And then... New England is minus 190 favorites, and New York is plus 150 underdogs with the line being four and a half points. So. There you go. For, for, if, I was a, if I were a betting man, which I am, uh, it is legal <laughs> in New York. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know that. Yeah, I typically use a, a, another source other than MGM. I don't know if my go-to has MLR lines. I've never seen them. I'm going to check it out, though. Uh, but I like that anyone has them. That's pretty cool. I'm going to look them up even if I can't bet just to send around to people to spread some, uh, spread some hype. <laughs> All right. Does... All right. Ooh, DraftKings is different. Yeah, well, I mean, each book would have their own lines, you'd think. I, I'd be curious if they're even close. How many people uh, do you guys have focused on MLR games? And are they coming up with the same statistical analysis? Seems like. So DraftKings only has the spread. Okay. Um, it is minus two and a half for Houston. And then it's minus five and a half for New England. All right. Let's about FanDuel. We both took one favorite and one dog. Yeah. Well, people, you listeners at home, go uh, reference your local betting site and see if you can't. Uh, find uh, Fanduel has it as well. It was minus two for Houston and minus four for New England. So wow, this is great that everybody has these. Uh, all right. So I I typically use Caesars. Caesars, we've now endorsed you on air. So feel free to send us some free stuff. Uh, <laughs> I use Caesars. I don't think they have. I mean, they don't, they have fewer lines, I think, than a lot of these other services, but I'm going to see if I can find it off air. This is an A+, not, a plus podcasting as you guys sit around while we look for things on our phones, but uh, <laughs> I'm going to go look and see if I can find them, and if I can, I'll tweet about it. Alright. Well, thank you for listening, everyone. Thank you for watching if you tune in, um, or if you tune in at a later time. Um once again, my name is Joshua Fredlin. You can find me at Josh Fred on Twitter. That is Craig. You can find him at MMFlyHalf on Twitter. And we are Earful of Dirt. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Earful of Dirt. Thank you for watching, everyone. And go watch some rugby. Thanks for listening to Earful of Dirt. Connect with your hosts via Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Earful of Dirt. Visit our website at EarfulofDirt.com or email us your thoughts and questions to earfulofdirt at gmail.com.